Hi guys, Martin from Step Parent World. Welcome again to another podcast. Got a fantastic guest on today. I'm, I'm really excited about meeting Joel today because I, I was just discussing to him off air that I've, I've read through um, something that he's created called the Ten Commandments of Blending a Family. And I, I, I've learned quite a lot just by looking at his course, which is absolutely fantastic, which I'm going to let him tell you about in a minute. Um, so I'm going to introduce Joel in a minute just to give you guys a little, little bit of back information about what Joel does and how he came up with these fantastic top 10 commandments as well. Welcome, Joel. And you're from Alabama? Yeah, that's correct. Thank you for having me on the show, Martin. I am uh, I am from Alabama in the southeastern United States. That's correct. Brilliant. You're really, really welcome to come on. I've been trying to get you on for a little while, haven't I? We've been sort of thrown dates and times around, but we, we, we kind of got there in the end. Joel, can you just tell people that are listening a little bit about your background, how you came up with these wonderful commandments that you come up with and just a little bit about what you actually do as well yeah certainly thank you so um uh, as i mentioned off air like i grew up in a blended family my parents split up when i was in middle school and about a year later my mom started dating a man that even though they never married i still call him my stepdad they were together for i don't know a decade or something um and so i got to see what blended family life looked like from the perspective of a 12 13 14 year old you know and then on up uh, and then I got married for the first time when I was halfway through college, um, and uh, we had two kids together. We were married for eight and a half years, and we divorced um, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago now. Uh, I've been remarried now for eight years, and I have two daughters from my first marriage. And um, and so I've also seen what blended families can look like from the standpoint of a parent with kids. About four or five years ago, I was invited to speak at a, 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 a an organization called the National Head Start Association here in the United States. It's government funded. And basically what they do is they provide resources uh, specifically to underserved or underfunded communities. And, um, and so they try to provide uh, resources to help kids who might be behind when they start school get caught up on the skills they would need to help them have a good start to their education. And so I was speaking at this parental engagement conference about, uh, they invited me to speak about blended families. And when I got there, they said, this is actually the first presentation we've ever had specifically geared toward blended families. And I thought, well, I asked them, I said, well, how much of the people that you work with, what, what, you know, what kind of percentage ballpark come from this kind of background? They said, oh, it's a, it's a huge amount. And I said, well, why haven't you had more presentations on this? And they said, well, we don't really know. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, good. Well, I'm glad we're having it now. And so I've spoken to that conference again, two or three different times, both wow. in person and during COVID stuff online. And it's been a real blessing because I've also been able to travel around the United States um, uh, from where I live in Alabama to down in Florida, to New Orleans, all the way up to Oregon on the Pacific Northwest coast. And I've been able to speak with different Head Start groups about some of these blended family issues. Um, and it's been really wonderful to be able to learn from them the different uh, the different ways that they interact with blended families. Because when I go speak with a Head Start group, typically about a third to a half of the people that I'm speaking with are from blended families. And those are the workers of Head Start. I'm not normally talking with the parents. I'm talking with the people who run the local organizations and they have blended families and they work with blended families. And so they're seeing it from two different perspectives yeah. as well. And one of the things I've started doing this year is also working with uh, different educational organizations to help teachers see how to interact with kids from blended families. Cause I, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher in my day job. That's one of the things that I do. I coach soccer, football for you guys. Yeah. And, um, 
And again, a lot of the kids that I teach and I coach come from these kind of backgrounds and it's just, it's just a little bit different, you know, it's just a little bit different. And so uh, these 10 commandments are something that I learned or I, I sort of put together by looking at the way my parents dealt with each other after their divorce and by looking at my ex and I, and by looking at my current wife and I and trying to see how, how we try to live and, and what the right thing to do is, even when it's really hard. Um, so I'm, a, I'm a, an outspoken Christian. And if you look at the Old Testament, there were 10 commandments. And then in the New Testament, Jesus boiled them down to two specific commandments. Basically, he said, love God and love your neighbor. And here I did the same thing, but I went in the opposite direction. I had the 10 commandments, uh, but those 10 commandments are built on these two pillars that are really easy to remember. The, the first one is to be the adult you want your children to become, right? Be nice. the adult you want your kids to become. Yeah. And the second one is to remember the golden rule, treat other people how you want to be treated. Now, both of those things sound really easy, but they're hard to do. I mean, anyone who's tried to live a consistent life knows it's really difficult to do, especially with kids, because, man, kids are great at pointing out what they perceive to be glaring inconsistencies, whether those are our own children or kids in a classroom. Kids are really good about picking up on that. And so these two pillars are um, they're they're simple, but they're not easy. And that's something that I've really uh, I've learned a lot about over the past decade as well. It's interesting, actually, because I was having this discussion with um, I'm actually a driving instructor as well. Okay. And- um, I was talking to one of my pupils the other day and she was discussing, um, we, we were trying to book her next lesson and she was saying, oh, I've got a range of my children, you know, and I said, oh, that's completely fine. And she said, um, I'm just trying to juggle everything around, et cetera, et cetera. And she goes, the older they've got, it's harder to juggle around when they were younger. So age plays a huge part in it as well, doesn't it? You know, the older they get, you have to kind of, you have to adapt a bit and be a little bit more flexible. Mm-hmm. So just going back to his commandments for a minute. Uh, are they actually in an order or did you actually just create them and, and, and write them as you kind of made them? Work um, so I created them just as you see them there. I didn't really put a lot of thought into order uh, yeah. in terms of like number one is the most important and you kind of work your way down. Um, what they do is they address different aspects of blended family life. And I think number one is at the foundation of all of them. Yeah. Um, number one is, yeah, it's, it's to communicate well. Yeah. And, um, and there's a couple of different parts to that, but basically everything starts with communication. Like you mentioned with your, uh, with your uh, client there that you're trying to figure out how to get their next lesson booked. Yeah. You know, they have to be able to communicate with their ex about the schedule of their kids in order for you to be able to do your job. And that's something that people don't realize is just how complicated it gets. In fact, one of the other things that I teach, uh, it's a, a group or it's a, um, a set of, what I call five conversations that every blended family needs to have. And um, one of the things about it, or, or there's lots of things about it, but one of them is just what I call the scheduling conversation. Who is going to have the kids win? And how are you going to determine who's going to have the kids win if it's not listed in the divorce papers? Because a lot of those things are written down. Anyone who's been through a divorce, at least in the States, I don't know how it works in England, so I don't want to say. Uh, but I know here you write down that stuff a lot of the time where, you know, it says, okay, on the even numbered years, dad has the kids on this holiday, this holiday, and this holiday from this time to this time on the odd number of years, mom has a lot and they lay a lot of that out, but there's still a lot of wiggle room in there mm-hmm. about school activities and sports activities and extracurriculars like dance or gymnastics or whatever else it may be. And you've got to figure out rides and you got to figure out who's picking them up from practice or taking them to practice. And what do you do about vacations? And like, these are all scheduling issues that need to be discussed. And I love what you mentioned, Martin, which is exactly right. 
is that as the kids get older, those conversations change because, and this is why I tell a lot of my clients, just when you think you've got it sorted out, the kids become a year older <laughs> and the issues change and the schedules change because whether yeah. it's going to um, soccer or ba- or football or basketball practice, whatever it may be, the next year, it may be a completely different set of activities. So for my kids, one year, one girl was playing volleyball and the other kid was singing a lot. And then one year, one girl was doing drama and the other was playing soccer. And then one year they were both playing soccer and one of them decided to play basketball. And, you know, the schedules change. And then as they get older, then they become teenagers and then everything changes, right? Because now you're not dealing with, you know, am I wearing princess dresses or unicorn t-shirts? Now you're dealing with, can I have a cell phone and am I allowed to talk with boys and what social media do they have access to? Everything changes. And, and so you, these can you pick me up at midnight rather than actually seven yes, o'clock in the evening? That's exactly right. Or can I ride home with a friend instead of you picking me up and maybe embarrassing, yeah, you know? Who's the friend? Yeah. That's exactly. It. And yeah. which friends are you allowed to ride with? And are you yeah. riding with their parents or are you riding with the friend yeah. who just got their driver's license? Yeah. And man, these are complicated issues that and so the, these conversations that I talk about, they're not just a one and done conversation. These are conversations you need to have. I would say every six to 12 months and you need to revisit them because again, as you mentioned, Martin, the the situation changes, the schedule changes, the kids get older and now it's different issues that have to be discussed again because the kids are, are different than they were. I mean, my kids now are almost 18 and just turned 15 and they are very different in some ways than they were just three years ago when they were 15 and 12. I think as well that the relationship between the parents can change. So, um, Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you can have quite um, a hostile breakup, so which causes obviously the the conflict between the two parents of trying to schedule everything in. And yeah. you know, I've spoken to parents that feel that their ex partner purposely messes with the schedule. Oh yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> to, common to, to kind of yeah to kind of have a, have a bit of a dig at them. But then you know, as time goes on, sometimes the relationship can actually get better, and then the schedule becomes easier. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think obviously you know trying to parent between the, yourself and your your ex partner. It depends a lot on how they get on. And I think the yeah. children sometimes, um, you know, they feel it, don't they? And sometimes they don't go to clubs or whatever because it causes too much grief or. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's fascinating. I think communication is key with absolutely mm-hmm. everything between you and your children, you and your partner, you and your new partner, your ex-partner. Without the communication, right. everything starts to break down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I like that agree. one. Yeah, so your number two, always show respect. So is that respect for partners is it respect for the church is it respect for everyone how did you come up with that one it's a really good question well the thing is um if you if you uh, read the book of proverbs in the old testament it says a soft answer turns away wrath and, and the thing is everybody knows that when we feel disrespected we typically respond by getting defensive and angry and so the way to just head that off at the pass the way to preempt that um, is to be respectful and calm with everybody involved in a specific situation. Now, I know there are people who are going to listen to this and go, well, you don't know my ex. You don't know what they did. I can't. You are correct. I'm not arguing with you about that. You're right. I don't know your ex. I don't know what they did. I don't know how badly they treated you or hurt you. What I do know is if you are disrespectful to them, don't be surprised if they are rude and disrespectful back to you. And that's just going to make things harder. Yeah. So instead, what I invite you to do is to just try being respectful the next, not once, but two or three times you interact with them. Just purposely go out of your way to try to be a little nicer, a little calmer, a little more patient. I can't guarantee that they're going to respond in kind, especially the first time they might just think you're trying to get something from them. 
by being fake nice, you know, the way that yeah. your kids do when they come up to you and they know they're in trouble and they go, daddy, dearest, I just have a, you know what I mean? Like, but if it's you young, can. I've, I've been guilty of this personally. And I think this is, this is the hard part because you're, you're a biological dad, Joel. Mm-hmm. So I've been a step parent and I'm now a biological parent as well. Okay. And from a step parent point of view, the hardest part I think for step parent, and any of you guys listening might possibly comment on this when you're a step parent, you, you're kind of told that um, it can take years for you to blend, to blend together. Yeah. So I've heard figures four to seven years, five to mm-hmm. 12 years. Yeah, it depends on I, age of the kids, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it depends a lot on if you live together, how quickly you move in together, how quickly you try and blend together. But from a step parent point of view, it's so, so difficult to try and enter mm-hmm. a family and try and get a bond going. And one of the biggest yeah. mistakes I personally made is, too much, too quick, too soon, mm-hmm. which can be horrendously difficult and co- can cause all sorts of problems. So a top tip for anyone listening today, step parents, slow, take your time. Don't yeah, go rush. With, go at the speed of the kid. Go with what they're yeah. comfortable with. Don't make any, any um, you know, rash decisions. Make sure you don't take anything personally as well. Something else yeah. I personally learned as well, which is a really, really big thing. And I think this is where not step parents go wrong, but I think they get disrespected whether it be for the ex-partner mm-hmm. whether it be the children doesn't matter who it is it could be another family member don't take it personally you just stepped into this whole new family unit right you've got yep. to give it time and you've got to kind of learn about people and try and get to know people and try and get a bond and that takes years a lot mm-hmm. of time and i recently did something about stepping back stepping back's fine give yourself time give yourself space step back a little bit if you feel a little bit hurt or a little bit um disrespected don't dive straight in and attack mm-hmm. back and like what you just said joel if you get two people that are attacking each other it's only going to win one way so right. someone's got to step back which again is a learning curve for myself and yeah. this is part of parenting you learn as you go and the more yeah. you learn the better the parent you become mm-hmm. yeah so you mentioned a couple of really really important points there uh and one of them is how difficult it can be to be a step parent i'm i'm not a step parent um, but you guys have just all my respect in the world because step parenting is a gig that I would not have signed up for. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not a good enough person to want to be a step parent. Um, cause here's, here's the reality that I've learned from working with them and obviously being married to one step parents are expected to do all of the parenting duties, whether the kids are babies or teenagers or anything in between step parents are expected to do all the stuff that biological parents do. You're expected to, if their little kids change the diapers or feed the kids, get them ready for school, pack the lunches, run the errands, pick them up. You're expected to put the kids to bed. Like you're expected to do all those things and you are guaranteed nothing. You're not guaranteed respect. You're not guaranteed love. You're not guaranteed appreciation. You're not guaranteed anything. You you have to do all the crap and you're guaranteed none of the benefit. And that is a tough gig. That's a really hard ask. And so I I love what you said about one, don't take it personally. You're exactly right. Because I I love the way you put it. You just stepped into something and that something was already going the way that it was going. Now you may help it or you may not. It depends on a lot of different factors that are many of which are outside your control, but it isn't you that is the issue. So try not to take that person. Now, that's also really easy to say when I'm not the one who's being yelled at or talked about or disrespected, <laughs> you know, but, but you're exactly right. I love that you mentioned that. Um, and the other part of it is, too, there are a lot of different things that can cause disrespect, uh, whether it's a uh, like you said, whether it's a, um, uh, an issue with your current partner or an issue with your ex or an issue with the kids. 
Uh, and that's, again, that's where I want to remind people, if you can be the example to begin with, if you can make up your mind to be the adult in the room, when everyone else is losing their brain, if you can just take a step back, take a deep breath, count to 10, you know, take your moment of meditation, like whatever it is that you need to do that helps you calm down. If you yeah. can do that, that can, not saying it always will, but that can go a long way towards both calming down that situation and the other thing you mentioned, Martin, building a good relationship moving forward, whether that's with the ex or with your kids. Because yeah. if you go into a situation that's already volatile and you lose your mind, that's not actually going to help anybody. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think that you mentioned a couple of really important things there that are easy to say, hard to do, yeah. but really good to remember. Yeah. And there's no manual to any of this, you know. Yeah, not yeah, a whole lot. Yeah. Whether you're a step parent or a biological parent in your step family, there is no manual to this. There's no book you can read. Some fantastic books to read to help yep. you. But there's no book that's going to tell you what to do, what to say, where to go, how to be. You learn it's too you complicated. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of books that will say that have great principles. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. one of the ones my wife and I read is called uh, The Smart Step Family by a guy named Ron Deal here in the United States. There's a couple of really good books uh, by uh, a lady named Patricia Papper now, who is also yeah, a lady. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. yeah, she's great. Um, there are some excellent books. Actually, I just read one that was wonderful. It's not about step parenting, but it's about relationships in general. It's called The Go-Giver Marriage by John David Mann and Anna Gabrielle Mann. I had them on my show not long ago. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and what they do is they provide you like these 10 commandments. They provide you with principles that you have to figure out how to apply in your family because yeah. your family is different than mine. And yeah. because every blended family is different, Martin, you're exactly right. There's no one book that's going to answer every question you have for every situation. It's just not possible. Yeah, I completely agree. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough for, I, th I think one of the things as well is that, is, is that um, you know, you got to remember when you step in as a step parent, you're going into a family that's got memories, they've got stories, mm -hmm. they've got, um, you know, holiday memories. So you're, you're going to be a bit of an outsider to start with. And right. that's where the communication comes in and the chat comes in and low expectations comes in as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Pick your battles. Number three, like that. I, I want to yeah. hear from you. How did you come up with this one? Well, this is one because my my ex-wife and I disagreed about a lot of things, and sometimes those were hills worth dying on. Sometimes those are just things that aren't really my business anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that. Um, there are there are certain things that I would love for my kids to do or not do that are important to me. My ex-wife may not even think those things are very important, so she doesn't really care if the kids do or don't do those things. Yeah. E even though, so. It's not just a question of what the kids are or are not allowed to do. It's a question of, is that even important enough to make a big deal about? Because if everything is a huge deal, nothing's really a big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? It, you, you've got to pick your battles. You've got to say, okay, is this simply a dislike or is this an actual red flag? If it comes to an issue of child abuse or drug abuse or, you know, those are, those are red flags. Yes, we will have those conversations. If it's an issue of, is my kid allowed to watch this TV show when she's 15? I may not like it, but she's 15 years old. Mm. And, and you know what? She's not in my house. Because here's the other thing you have to remember, and this is not fun. So parents that are listening, bio and step parents, just <laughs> buckle up because you're not going to like this. This is what most of what I say about is I tell people, I say, you're not going to like a lot of what I have to say. It is helpful, but you're not going to like it. Here it is. It is not your task to discipline your kids in the other home. It's not your job to raise your kids when they're with the other biological parent. It's not. Because if it is, that means it's their job 
to raise the kids when they're with you. If you don't want your ex coming yeah. into your home and telling you how to raise your kids, you have to give them that same respect. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Otherwise, it's yeah. just going to be, you're going to be angry all the time and that's not worth it. I think as, I think as well, I, I mean, I don't know too many parents that actually agree on the same rules in the same two houses. No, you know, even if you live in the same home, parents don't agree yeah, all the time. Yeah, no, it's not realistic. It's not going to work. No. Um, no. Did, can, can I just ask a quick question? When, yeah, when please. You, did, did you have, when you met your partner, mm-hmm. so you were stepping in to the step family or did? No. So um, when um, I, my wife now didn't have any kids, she had never been married before. So right. she stepped in as the stepmom to okay. my two girls, but I'm only a biological parent. I'm not a, I'm not a step parent. Okay. So did you, when you first got together with your partner, did you, mm-hmm. uh, did you want her to parent your children? Did you want her to respect, not respect, did you want her to discipline your children at all? Or was you like, no, this is my thing. I'll That's call a- on you when I need you. That's a really good question. It's it's a complicated answer. I'll try to give the short version. Um, when we got together, my girls were pretty young. And because they were girls, they naturally gravitated toward her some because they're little girls. And this was a female that was in the home that was a grown up. Um, honestly, we viewed her role as somewhere between a hybrid of being the, the stepmom, but also almost like an older sister. And the reason I put it that way is because she didn't really discipline them about big things. That, that was more my task. But if it was little things like, hey, I need you to put your dishes in the dishwasher or, hey, I need you to go do your homework. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she, she definitely helped out with some of those things, but always in a very gentle kind of way. And if there was any big pushback or any kind of disrespect issues, that's when I would, I would take over and, and we would you know sit down and have a chat or whatever it may be. Um, because what we wanted again was we wanted for her to be able to build a relationship with them slowly. And it's really hard to build a relationship if the primary thing you're doing is disciplining. And so instead we, we were able to uh, allow them to, and all of us together spend a lot of time together in good ways. We read books together and we went to the park and we walked the dogs and we played in the backyard and we did those things to build some bonds, which was great. Um, but basically, when uh, my wife's name is Marielle and we call her, uh, the girls call her Mel. When Mel and I got together, it was a matter of uh, allowing the girls to get comfortable with her being in the home because I'd been a single parent for a couple of years. So when the girls came to be with me, um, then it was it was typically the three of us. Or at the time, uh, for a couple of years, I actually had a roommate. Um, uh, uh, another guy who had gone through a divorce and we just moved into a house together. Um, and so it was different to have a female grown up around with dad. And that was interesting for them to get used to as well. And yeah. so we did, we, we tried to tread very lightly. We tried to move along slowly, but we just integrated Mel into our day-to-day lives. So even before we got married, she would come over early in the morning and help the girls get ready for school. And then she would come over in the evenings and we would do dinner together and she would help me put the girls to bed. So they got used to her being around some even before we got married. And that way it wasn't quite such a jarring juxtaposition after she Mm. and I got married. The girls were already used to her. The girls were already comfortable with her. Yeah, best way. That's If anyone listening, that's really good advice as well. Definitely good advice. Slow and steady. Mm-hmm. integrate it can be different if the children are a little bit older but i think yeah exactly the older they are the harder it is to start that is. blend yeah yeah mm-hmm. um give away graciously intrigues me this one <laughs> yeah so here's Before. the thing um give away graciously the idea here is this one 
even in a regular, I hate to say regular, in a traditional um, two-parent household where the parents are have always been the same parents, a regular biological family, right? A nuclear family. The parents don't always agree. So when mom and dad don't agree, how do they respond to each other? Well, in the step family, that's even more important because if my ex-wife and I disagree on something and I don't get my way, right? Because you're never going to get your way all the time. If I don't get my way, how do I respond? Do I respond with petty, snarky comments? Do I respond with petulance and anger? Do I, do I act petty and snarky? Or do I simply say, okay, and I move on? Because that's important for two reasons. One, it's important in terms of building relationship moving forward. Two, it's important for setting an example for my kids. When life doesn't go your way, deal with it and make the best of it, right? And, and that's important because, again, uh, when you don't get your way, can you be nice about it? Can you show grace? Can you show respect even in the midst of, I really don't like things this way? Because if you can, again, it sets a powerful example for your kids. It also continues to lay a foundation for more cooperation moving forward. And that's extremely important. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Choose to believe the best. Yeah. So this is one that C.S. Lewis wrote about in a different context in Mere Christianity. He says, a real desire to believe the best about other people and give them the benefit of the doubt will take care of most of the problems. See, um, as you mentioned earlier, sometimes when you go through a divorce or a breakup, it can be real ugly. Mm -hmm. And so that means every time you see a text message from your ex, you automatically read it with the most anger-colored glasses, or you read it through the lens of your hurt. And so it might be a completely innocent, innocuous message. But the way you read it, it comes across as disrespectful or rude or thoughtless or callous. And it wasn't meant that way, but that's the way you took it because of your own hurt. Yeah. Well, we as human beings have the power to choose what it is that we believe. And so if we can make the conscious choice to believe that the other person didn't mean it that way and give them the benefit of the doubt, that yeah. goes a long way towards starting to get past the hurt. And again, this is much easier for me to say than it is for me to do. I will fully admit that I'm not great about always doing this. I'm not great about doing this with my students either, by the way. If some <laughs> kid comes to me and says, oh, I forgot my homework because they're probably lying to me. I know they're probably lying to me. <laughs> but if I assume that they're lying to me every single time, what about when the yeah. kid actually is telling the truth? Now I've just done them a disservice by not believing them. And, and texting is right. awful. You know, you can read a text and oh, take a text it message the wrong way. Yeah. And then you speak to yeah. the person. They're like, no, I didn't mean anything like that. That's like, exactly oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. No, Texting right. is a horrible, horrible method of communication yeah. when yeah. there are already high charged emotions involved. And I think a lot of um, going back to that scheduling we were talking about before, a lot of that's done by texting or emails yeah. and you can read it so wrong rather than like a phone yeah. call or face to face. But yep. some people, some people can't do that. Yeah. So my, my wife and I actually have a phrase for that because I am boneheaded, right? Just when it comes to anything female, I'm just not very bright. Never have been, probably not ever going to be. I'm slightly less not bright than I used to be. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you, I have the ability to accidentally anger females of all ages. And and so <laughs> with man thing they told you. No, I'm telling thing. you, well, I just I think it's I think it's worse. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just prideful about how dumb I am. Um, but my wife and I have a phrase for that when I'm going to say something that in my head makes sense and is meant well, but I realized barely ahead of time through a flash of, you know, inspiration or, or sovereignty or whatever you want to call it, I realized, ooh, this may come across badly. Then I will say a very simple phrase. I'll look at my wife and I'll say, honey, I mean this nice, 
And then I'll say whatever it was I was going to say. And she knows that's the code for if this comes across really badly, I yeah. promise that's not how I meant it. And she's really good about choosing to believe that I really did mean that in the best way possible. I reckon there's any male parents listening, they're all nodding their head like this. Yes. Yeah, right. right. Oh my goodness. Well, and here's the thing. If you have daughters, you need a phrase for them too, because there are plenty of things I've said to my kids where in my head, it made total sense and I meant it nicely. And there's no reason for you to get upset about it. And, and they would get very hurt or very yeah. angry or very emotional. And it was like, but that's not how I'm, oh man. Language. You know, and it's, yeah. It's One of the it. biggest things I learned when I started doing my coaching course, my very first coaching course, I learned a lot about language. But when I started actually listening to myself, I started actually thinking, oh, your language is pretty awful, Martin, to be yeah, fair. It's terrible, isn't it? When you actually, yeah, you listen to yourself and you think, Jesus, really? So yeah. I've, I've tried as much as I can recently to try and change my language. And even with my, when I teach people to drive and they're mm-hmm. saying, no, I, I know I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, how about change the word can't to let's try and then right. you can do it. So mm-hmm. language is huge. And yeah. I think one of the biggest things when people are talking to each other, especially within a family, listen to what you're actually saying, not what you're saying, but how you're yeah. actually saying it. And I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the anger and conflict comes from, by the way people use language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And as a high school teacher, I see this a lot. If you mm-hmm. have kids or teenagers, especially teenagers, there are a million ways to express your disrespect, not using just words. Mm-hmm. And teenagers are experts at most of them. Yeah. Because kids know they can they can show disrespect through their body language, through just their general demeanor, through random noises they make, through the way they open their textbook. And, and they think that it's okay because they can go, well, I didn't say anything rude. You didn't have to say anything. You know you didn't. Have, everyone in this classroom knows that you were telling me you don't care what I have to say. Everyone picked up on it. Don't be an idiot. Attitude, Come yeah. on now. <laughs> And it's that way with our kids. Our kids can be really disrespectful without having to say things in a disrespectful way. And we can also be that way towards our spouse or towards our ex. So you're exactly right. We got to be, we have to be cognizant of the language we use and we have to be willing to, I love what you said when you started listening to yourself, we have to be willing to be honest with ourselves and go, is the way that I'm communicating actually sending Mm -hmm. the message I want to send, or is it sending some other sort of message? I think as well, parenting, you know, biological parenting or step parenting, um, treat it as a lesson, literally treat it as you're learning all the way along. And when you make a mistake, don't dwell too much on the mistake. Try and actually learn from the mistakes you made so you actually don't repeat the same mistake. Agreed. And that's really crucial. And, you know, for all of us, you know, you're a biological parent. I'm both. You learn as you go. You really want to do But if you always gloss over what you've done or and or you're repeating the same mistake that's the issue that's the problem you're having but if you look yeah. at the mistake and go yeah okay i need to talk better or say things in a different way or like yeah. you were saying joe when you speak to, to to your partner you stop and think and i think a really great way and this is something i wish i had done probably two or three years ago use the word pause pause yourself before you say anything doesn't matter if it's to your partner <laughs> doesn't matter if it's to your kids your stepkids whatever pause mm-hmm. even before you say a word have, have, just have like, literally a five second pause then speak it comes <laughs> out so much so much better it really wants yes. to do. yeah yeah that's that's wonderful advice that's one that i need to remember actually in my soccer coaching because i uh sometimes referees and i disagree and i don't do my team any favors <laughs> with the manner in which i disagree 
if I could pause, that would probably be helpful. Yeah, it's I tell you, even before, probably even before I became a parent, it's always been my issue. I speak before I think, mm-hmm. and I, it's really easy to do. It's, you start right. speaking, and, and then you stop and think, hang on a minute, did I actually just say that? Right. Oh, so, that's not what I meant at all. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's kind of the way, again, back to the whole language thing. Pause before you say anything. Think before you speak. My parents right. always used to say to me, mine, think before you speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be 50 this year, Joel, and I still don't think before, before yeah. I speak. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. So number seven, so model maturity and wisdom like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, uh, with our kids, sometimes it's easy to remember that we're the adult. And other times it's hard to remember that because we are acting out of hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I've never met anyone who is in a step family that didn't come from some kind of pain, whether that's bereavement of a lost loved one or whether that's the pain of a divorce. Every blended family comes from a place of hurt, which means people are hurting. And so we have to remember that our kids are already feeling that and we need to set an example for how to handle that well. Right. And so that means we need to model that maturity and wisdom by showing them, listen, I know that you're hurting. That is not an excuse to take your hurt out on the people that you are around. Mm. And so that's, again, really easy to say, really hard to do, especially when you're dealing with an ex that you probably aren't real fond of at the moment. You have to remember your job is not to win. Your job is not to get revenge. Your job is to raise your children well. And that includes setting a good example for them in how you relate to each other as adults. Because again, go back to the two pillars. Be the adult you want your kids to become. If you want your kid to be snarky and arrogant and rude or jaded and disrespectful, then by all means, be that towards your Mm -hmm. ex. But if you want your kid to be respectful, even when it's hard, if you want your kid to be responsible, even if they don't feel like they should have to, if you want your kid to be disciplined, even in the midst of difficulty, then you need to show them what that looks like. Mm. Yeah, because I think obviously, I mean, it goes without saying that parents are educators in every way. Everything a parent does, even when they're babies, they're like little sponges. Anything mm-hmm. they you pick do up or say, a lot. yeah, they will pick it up. But it flips the other way as well. I think your children, whether they're your own kids or, or your stepkids, are some of your best educators. And I think mm-hmm. as parents, listen, listen to your kids, listen to how they speak to you, listen to what they say. They're not always going to do right. But listen to what they're saying. You'll learn so much. And I think sometimes as parents, we talk over our kids or oh, we yeah. don't listen to the kids. But actually stop, pause what I'm saying everyone. Pause and listen to them. And they, they can be great educators. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So number eight, ask for help. So I'm fascinated by this one. Do you mean <laughs> who, who's asking for help? The parents, the kids? or Yeah, well, the, the, the parents, especially in a blended family. Um, the, as you mentioned earlier, there is no manual that's going to answer every question you have. But about the worst thing we can do is to say, well, I just have to figure it all out on my own because there's no manual. No, 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 no. Find someone who has walked the road that you're on or at least partly walked the road you're on and ask them for help, whether that's a counselor, a pastor, a coach, a friend, whether it's someone who does blended family counseling, whether it's someone who does blended family coaching like me. Sorry, if you guys can hear that, my my two dogs have decided to join us (laughs) in the background here. Thank you, puppies. But yeah, um, the thing is, a lot of people are trying to figure it out on their own. And unfortunately, that means that they are missing out on the wisdom of people who have already done this, Mm. right? So like when my wife and I got married, we went to our pastor and we said, we want to do some premarital counseling. And he said, okay, I haven't done a lot of premarital counseling with someone entering a second marriage. 
So he got us this book uh, again. I mentioned earlier called Smart Step Family by Ron Deal. And that's what we went through together because he knew that when you're going into a marriage, that's not the first one. It's different than a marriage. That's a first one, right? If it's your first marriage, that's different than if it's your second marriage. And the thing is, and I mean, I mean this nice, the advice you give someone getting married for the first time needs to be very different than the advice you give someone who's getting married for the second time. Because the advice you give a person getting married for the first time is of limited value in a blended family situation because it's just much more complex. You know, if you if you come to me and you do a, uh, marital counseling with my wife and I, and you say, "Here's what you need to understand: this, this, this." I'm going to go, "Okay, but what happens when my ex?" Right? Because that's just a different equation. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have heard of the uh, book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Yeah. Well, he and Ron Deal co-wrote a book together a couple years ago about those love languages as applied specifically to blended families. And I cannot remember the name of the book off the top of my head, but inside the book, there's this really amazing graphic. It looks like a spider web. And it's just a graphic showing the different dynamics of blended families in terms of the relationships. It's got a string between mom and dad and stepmom and stepdad and step grandparents and kids and aunts and uncles and friends. And the thing is, it's just complicated. And because it's so complicated, it's really arrogant of us to think, well, I can just figure it out on my own. Yeah. Right. And instead, what we need to do is we need to ask for help. And the thing is, what I encourage people to do is ask for help when things are going well. Don't wait until there's a crisis. Don't wait until something that could have been handled easily becomes a much bigger deal. Just, I know for guys, especially, we have this sort of macho thing where we don't like to ask for help or we don't like to ask for directions. And I've never really understood that, but that's probably because I'm not good at finding where I'm trying to go. So I have to ask for directions all the time. Um, but just be willing to ask for help, right? Yeah, go to a set find, find someone who knows more than you do <laughs> yeah. and then ask them to help you out so that you can figure it out without having to take all the lumps. I mean, that's what we do for our kids, right? We try to teach yeah. our kids lessons that we learn the hard way so they don't have to learn them the hard way. We'll do the do same we, thing with your step family. This is, this is another podcast we could do, Joel, because I've, <laughs> I, for years, wondered why us guys don't speak enough, our fellas don't speak enough. And mm-hmm. since being a step family coach, it's, it's, saturated with stepmoms you know there's, there's hardly any stepdads around that will talk yeah. i had one guy on from canada who was absolutely fantastic other than that it's, it's mostly ladies that's guys just mm-hmm. do not want to talk whether or not yeah. it's a macho thing whether or not we were brought up like that whether or not we're told that we shouldn't share our feelings right I think that, that's another podcast job i can feel it <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good i'd love to yeah brilliant number nine using discretion Yeah, this is just part of being an adult. What you've got to do is you've got to figure out what to share with the kids and when, and also how, because it's easy, especially if your kids are a little bit older, it's easy to want to talk about them, to talk with them about things you're struggling about. The problem is your kids are not your therapists and they're not meant to be, and you are not their therapists and you are not meant to be. I'm not saying you shouldn't talk with your kids. That's completely ridiculous, but you need to be very careful with what you share with your kids about your and your ex's issues, because you have to remember those kids are half you and half them. Mm. And so you need to make sure that you are not burdening your children with issues that they were not meant to carry. It's already going to be difficult growing up in a blended family with the parents that had these kids don't live in the same home. Look at any statistics, whether those are from 30 years ago or from three months ago. And kids, I don't even know if it's politically correct to call them broken homes anymore. That's what it was called when I was a kid. But 
kids from that kind of background typically struggle more. They struggle academically. They struggle socially. They struggle emotionally. They're typically more inclined to get into trouble, whether it's with drugs or teenage pregnancy or whatever it is. The statistics are not encouraging. And so our job is to do the best we can to help our kids overcome those statistics. And a big part of that is not oversharing. Don't make your kids carry around something that they were not meant to carry, Mm. right? So you just have to be careful. You have to be smart about, is this really something they need to know? Or is this something I just want them to know because it's going to make me look good, make my ex look bad. It's going to help me win the relationship game. Mm. Because that's the temptation is to go, oh, well, no, I just told them because they need to know. Did they really? Yeah. And I think as well, I think a lot of children, um, especially when they're a little bit younger, they spend quite a lot of time mourning. They're actually mourning the relationship mum and dad yeah. has. And now that yeah. relationship's gone, you know, whether or not they've, they've got a new partner or, or not. I think children live sometimes, um, I've read quite a lot about this, about the fantasy of the children thinking, yeah. mum and dad are going to get back together. Right. Which is Everything's going to be is, fine. Yeah. Steps in, new partner comes in, the new partner's the worst thing in the world. And yeah. I think you have to allow children time to mourn and allow them time to actually accept the fact that mum and dad aren't actually getting back together. And I feel when you were talking about the drink and drugs, that's sometimes a cry for help because they're still mourning what happened four or five years ago, which yeah. goes back to statistics of the blended family, five, seven, eight yep, years. Five, seven, eight. Yeah. It's the mourning period as well. Yeah. I yeah, like that I completely one. agree. Number 10, be consistent. You spoke about this a little bit earlier on as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's the hardest one of all of them, I think. Oh, completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. It's And again, it's, it's hard to be consistent mm. even in a single household where mom and dad live together. It's real hard over two households, but let me give you an example from our world that that is what taught me this, okay? Um, the consistency needs to come in the values that you're teaching your kids. I've never met a parent in all my work. I've never met a parent who said, I want my children to be lazy, irresponsible, disrespectful. I, I've never met a parent who says that. Mm-hmm. So that means we want our kids to be hardworking, responsible, respectful. Okay, good. Um, one of the things my ex and I both agreed on very early is that we want our kids to be healthy. And a big part of that is getting enough sleep. Obviously, we want our kids to be healthy and get enough sleep. Okay. Well, at first, what I thought that meant was, was they had to have the exact same bedtime at both houses every night, or at least not you know, during the school nights, that kind of thing. And I got real angry at first when I realized that my ex, their mom, was allowing them to stay up half an hour or an hour later than, than I did. But then we talked about it and I realized, I talked with my kids about it and realized the reason that they were able to do that is because at my house and and God bless my wife these days, I'm an early riser. So here in America, we're recording this. It's a Sunday morning. I woke up at 5.45 a.m. because my dogs woke up and, and I got up with the dogs. I'm an early riser. So when the girls were with me when they were younger, because I got up early, they also typically woke up earlier. Now, sometimes that was because I woke them. Sometimes that was because that's just how the household is. The dogs are awake and they make noise and whatever. Their mom is not an early riser, right? At least not by choice. And so that means at mom's house, they could sleep in an extra 30 to 45 minutes and they were still up in plenty of time to get ready for school. It's not like they were late to school because they were sleeping in too much. And so what I realized is we are being consistent. The consistency is the value of we want our kids to get enough sleep so that they can function well in school and they can be healthy. What that looked like was at dad's house, they went to bed earlier and they got up earlier. At mom's house, they stayed up a little later. They got to sleep in a little bit more, right? Which I think the kids enjoyed a bit more because most kids enjoy sleeping in. I've I've realized that most of the world is not early risers. I don't get that. 
but tell you what it is. is I'll tell you what it is, Joe. If you've got dogs, you're probably going to be an early rise at some point. To be <laughs> I, fair. I've been, I've been one since I was a kid. It's always yeah. been weird. It's always, my dad was that way. And so I do, I love getting up and getting stuff done and people roll out of bed about nine or 10 o'clock. And I'm like, man, I've already got nine things off my to-do list. <laughs> now I'm exhausted. I'm ready for a nap. It's lunchtime. You know, I see. I think um, the best way to start a day is a dog walk. You go out and the fresh air and the it's things, wonderful. You don't see the things during the day that you can see really anymore in the skies. I, I, mm-hmm. I actually love it. So I think, yeah, I blame your dogs for that Joe. I think. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Uh, yeah, Bruiser is looking at me right now like, Dad, please, this is totally your fault. Um, but no, that's but that's the consistency. Yeah. The consistency is in the values. We want yeah. our kids to be. And, the, and again, that's a conversation to have with your ex and with your spouse at the same time. If you can, if you are in a place where you can all get together for 30 minutes over a cup of coffee and say, what is it that we want our kids to be? Yeah. Do we want that? And again, it's just about values. Do you, you want them to be responsible? You want them to be hardworking. You want them to be kind. You want them to be respectful. You want them to be honest. And so that's where the consistency comes in. Yeah. I and I that. think that's important. It's hard to do because, again, what that looks like in each home may be different. In my home, it meant when the girls came home, they sat down. Like when they got home from school, they sat down, they immediately did their homework. What that looked like at their mom's house was they'd come home, they'd have a snack, they'd go play for a couple hours, then they'd come and do their homework right before dinner. That's okay. As long as they're getting their homework done, that's great. As long as they're also getting some exercise and sunshine, that's great. It doesn't have to be done in the exact same way, but the value is where the consistency needs to come in. The end goal has got to be the same. How you get to it it can, can, can be different. Yeah. Joe, I've loved this today. I've actually, I've, I, I, I say this a lot on my podcast, but I've actually learned so much with your 10 commandments. So, and listening to you talk is, is fascinating. And I've, Again, I've said this on a load of podcasts that when I when I discuss different aspects of step parenting with with um, other parents and other coaches, my mind just starts going about right. Oh I'm yeah, do a podcast on this. I could do a podcast on that. But also, I think, I mean, I've stepped out for twenty years, which was a long mm. time. But I'm still sat here now, thinking, listening to you, thinking, do you know what? Actually, I could do that different. I could have done this different. And and that goes back to what we were saying before. There's no right way to parent, guys. There's no right way to step parent, biological parent. Do it as you go and give yourself time. Give yourself permission to make mistakes. Like Joel said, talk to people, ask mm-hmm. for help, which I think is Yeah, read some books, find the online courses. Yeah, like, don't yeah. try I mean, to figure it out on your own. That's the worst. There's, there's so much stuff on social media. There's so much stuff online to, to, to help parents out. And a lot of it, you, you have to pick and choose some of it, but there's a lot of help yeah. out there for people nowadays. Joe, yeah, it's been fantastic. Agree. How do they? How can they see these ten commandments that you've you've got? Yeah, thank you for having me on, Martin. I've had a great time too, and Brilliant. I've learned speaking with you as well. It's been a lot of fun. I find yeah. the same thing on my podcast when I interview people. It's just, um, it's great for. I get done. I normally go find my wife. I'm like, hey, listen to this thing that I just heard <laughs> from this person that I interviewed. Um, but yeah, if people want to connect with me, I'm on um, various social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and LinkedIn. My name is Joel W. Hallbaker. It's a pretty uncommon last name. So if you find a Joel W. Hallbaker, it's me. Um, <laughs> you can also come to my website, joelwhallbaker.com, or you can go to uh, another website called stepdadding.com. That's one that I run as well. That's where you can sign up for the free course. Um, yeah, it's, it's a free online that. video course. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can also, if you want to connect with me, just find me on social media or send me an email. I have a a PDF that I send out. It's called the complete blended family toolkit. It's got the two pillars. It's got the five discussions you need to have. It's got the 10 commandments. um, And it's got a seven day devotional specifically for blended families. 
Um, and again, these are these are simply tools to help you get get moving in the right direction. Uh, I don't claim to have all the answers. I do claim to have made a lot of mistakes and tried to learn from them, like you and I were talking about. So if we can, if I can help people not make the same mistakes I did, that's a positive thing. And that's the reason why we're here as coaches or, you know, whatever it is. It's, I, I, I think one of the biggest ways to learn something is by making a mistake first, because there's not many things <laughs> in life you go through without making mistakes. And you come absolutely. out outside thinking, I was absolutely perfect there. No, right. there's no such thing. Give yourself right. permission. Don't have any guilt or thinking that, oh, I've made a mistake. Oh my God, now what do I do? You just move on and you learn from what you've done. Yeah. Yep. Just learn to deal. I have loved this today. I want to get you back on, or I'm going to come on one of your podcasts. Y'all, I, I was going to say, I would, I'd like, yeah. I, we got to have the time to get you scheduled to come on mine. So for those of you listening, my podcast is called 10 CBF, the 10 commandments for blended family. That's what it stands for. Um, and you can find it as well. I would love to have you on my show as well. That'd be great. And definitely go on to, um, um, what was your course? Step dad. What was that? Sorry? Uh, it's called the website is stepdadding.com. Yeah. I went on that this morning with an ING. Mm-hmm. and I downloaded, uh, Joel's course and it's it's brilliant it's really fascinating to, to listen to and to watch so it's definitely worth a visit guys Joel thank you so much for coming on today I know you've got to go because I don't want to hold you back too much more of your time because <laughs> I've taken up quite a lot of your time today so guys this podcast is brilliant you can learn so much from this and um, keep listening so I'm going to be doing a lot more future podcasts and I'm going to be doing a lot more podcasts on the very basics of step parenting which I did the other day dog, dog walk videos Joel that I did the other day <laughs> Uh-huh. my dog walk literally my hat on and my, my, my coat it. on and i just went to the basics and that's the best place to start in your step family yep. parenting or your biological parenting back to your basics guys go back to your your, your raw feelings of what you're thinking what you're feeling yep absolutely martin thank you again for having me on i've had a great time i look forward to getting you on my so show much. as well yeah no thank you so much so guys have a look at the podcast on www.stepparentworld.com um i've put on about another two or three new ones and we've got a lot more on there if you need help come and see me, come and see Joel. Do not expect to do all this on your own because you don't have to. Yep. It's not, don't feel lonely. Don't feel left out. You've got plenty of help out there, guys. Right, guys, thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and I will speak to you very soon.